listening to the final episode of Life in Paradise podcast. Yes, that's right, folks. This will be the last episode of Life in Paradise podcast. Not to fear, there's a new one coming. I'll get into that here in a few minutes. If this is your first time tuning in, well, it's going to be your last time tuning in as well. Because I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and others you won't, and I am perfectly okay with that. The world would be a better place if we could all learn to disagree without being so dang disagreeable. I talk about all sorts of things on this podcast. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, some politics, some news, some current events. But all in all, it's just a big group of opinions. If there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. I do, however, think it's perfectly acceptable and sometimes funny to compare and contrast cultural differences. Now, that doesn't mean I feel any way about any person, no matter who they are, or where they're from, or what to do, how they laugh, whether or not they can swim. None of that has any impact on how I feel about humans. And I think it's important to realize that assuming so would be judgmental and it would go directly against the whole idea of not being so judgmental we use humor as a coping mechanism and people have failed to realize that a sense of humor is just like a sense of hearing it's different for everyone so just because you may not think certain things are funny doesn't mean nobody else can and if you're easily offended by humor this is not the place for you to go. You can go find a dull and boring and dry podcast somewhere else where they just sit around and talk about how great they are. Today is Sunday, May 7th, 2023, and the current price of Bitcoin is 28836 5.23 in the p.m. Central Time. If there's another thing you'll need to know about me, it's that I had every intention of doing one-minute intros, and they always end up much longer. Without further ado, sit back, relax, and let me run the podcast for about the next hour, hour and a half. Well, that's correct, ladies and gentlemen. This will be, hopefully, the last podcast on this channel. I've started a new channel. It's called Don't Sue Me, Bro. And it's more focused on the things that I talk about on here now. You have to keep in mind that I started this podcast in like 2015 when I was living full-time in Nicaragua and I was running my sailboat charter business called Nika Sail and Surf. Times have changed now and it's time to move on and grow up and stop being lazy. You see, I just kept posting to the same channel because I didn't really want to go out and create a new podcast channel. And listen, I'm not good with technology. I don't enjoy it. I need a full-time tech guy. I need somebody who's like 20 years old, who lives close to me, who I can just pay $15 an hour, 20 bucks an hour to come over and just sort, sort problems out for me. So if you know of anybody in the Corpus Christi area, who's really good at sorting through technological breakdown problems, send them my way, please. Until then, I will keep bashing my head on the wall trying to figure things out. You know, you would think it would be easy just to start a new podcast channel, but it's really not. It's not. It's not simple, and I'm not even going to go into the details as to why. Maybe I'm just not good at it. Maybe I'm just so bad at this stuff that it's hard for me, but man... You know, now I know why I delayed so long in doing this. Oh, I'm like halfway through it. It's it's a nightmare. You'll hear more about it. You know what? If I can't go, I got seven days to get it figured out. If I can't get it figured out in seven days, I'll be back on here again. You know what I mean? But I will. I will figure it out. It will be live, and I will have some information in the show notes below, a link for you to get to it. I hope. I really do hope I have it all done. Nonetheless, let's get started. Last week, I talked to you about my situation not being allowed to get on the airplane because I didn't have a COVID vaccine card. Yep, 
We're still playing the COVID game. It's 2023, and we're worried about spreading the equivalent of the flu. And I must say that I'm extremely delighted that most people are now coming around and admitting that everyone overreacted. And it was all a big scam, and people were in it for the money. And although it became a religion for some people, there are others who are actually starting to understand and admit what this whole thing was all about. And just because I feel that way doesn't mean that I don't have sympathy for people who lost people from COVID. I, in fact, had a couple of older relatives who did not make it. But I still understand that the thing that fueled this fire was the government and the media. And I'm not going to go into details. You can go back. I've done countless shows about how the government and the media were all sleeping together during COVID. And let's not forget Big Pharma. Remember before COVID, everyone was like, Fuck Big Pharma. I know. I typically don't drop F-bombs, but that's what the phrase was. People posted on social media. No one liked Big Pharma. No one trusted Big Pharma. You put sprinkle a little bit of fear throughout the Smurfs, and they're begging for Big Pharma to come save them. And that's because bravery has been lost somewhere along the way. But circling back from my tangent, as I normally tend to go on, I was kicked off the plane on Sunday. Actually, I wasn't even allowed to check in. They wouldn't let me check in. I said, can't you even tell I don't have COVID by looking at me? No, sir, I'm sorry. I'm a robot. I'm programmed to only say certain things. So I had to run down, get the COVID test, go back at the airport, got on a plane, and you're thinking, please tell us where you are going. You kept mentioning the airplane, but you didn't tell us where you were going to go. Well, I went down to Nicaragua, and I closed on the sale of Nika Sail and Surf, which was a sailboat charter business that I started in 2011, 12 years ago, which is crazy. Time has flown by. And the reason that I was kind of being secretive about it, I didn't want to say exactly what I was doing because I've been trying to sell this business for a while. And every so often, I'd get somebody who would be interested and they would contact me and they would say, oh, yeah, let's talk about this and spend some time on the phone and send us the financials. And we can spend more time on the phone then we can ask more questions. And then we just quit responding, right? We just pretend like we never even talked to you. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not going to be advertising that I'm selling this business or that I have got a buyer because all of these other people who have called themselves buyers have just fallen off the face of the earth or decided that they can't, or that their wife wouldn't let them, or they were too nervous. And yes, I'm making fun of these people because they were scared. And the reason that I'm making fun of them because they were scared is because they should have never contacted me. They were too scared to buy a business in a third world country. Don't even pick up the phone and call. But they did. They wasted lots and lots and lots and lots of my time over the years of me trying to sell this business. But finally, I found the right one. I found a buyer who recognized it for what it was worth. He understood the numbers. He's not scared of risk. And we struck a deal. And so because it hadn't closed or funded, the money hadn't hit my account, although I don't really believe in jinxes, I didn't want to jinx myself. I got so tired of telling people, yep, I think I found a buyer for the business, and then it not happening. And then coming back to me saying, hey, I thought, I thought you said you had a buyer for your business. And me saying, well, yeah, no, they just quit responding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I spent four hours on the phone talking to people, and then they just don't, they just don't write back. They don't, they don't respond. So, yeah, I was a little bit bitter about that whole situation, but it's all good now. It was worth the wait. It was a fabulous experience. Owning that company has taught me so much. You know, people say, oh, business is business. Owning this company taught me something different. It taught me that, that people make up a business. And if you don't have dedicated people who care about their job and care about the people around them, then you will have a business that is worthless. Or maybe not technically worthless. But if you look at like a fast food chain, you know, the people that are there just to collect a paycheck. Nobody really wants to work at a fast food place. But for me, I wanted to build a business where people wanted to work. And I still do. This is the the mantra that I follow at the brewery. And it will be what I follow for the rest of my career. Because I saw just how powerful it was to have a business 
that, that the employees were happy every day. The vendors that we buy things from were happy every day. We paid our bills on time. That the customers were happy every day. And it taught me that, you know, if you can focus on the people, if you can create environments that are conducive to happiness, the business will do great. And that's what happened. And although I had tons of help from lots of people along the way, the way that we run the business never changed. And I hope it never does. I, I wish the best of luck to the new buyer. You know, it's a, it's a, it's closing a chapter in my book, but it's opening a chapter in his book. And that, that makes me happy. You know, I, I hope that we built a culture that gets passed on to everyone who comes through there. You know, it, it was a springboard for lots of people that went on to sail yachts and, and work on big luxury boats as chefs. And, you know, it just, it, really was a cool gateway into the world of sailing. So, yeah, so I went down there, signed the paperwork. You know, I, I ended up flying in there on Monday. I landed in Managua. I got in a taxi. I drove straight to the house where we're signing papers. And it was kind of cool. You know, we were sitting there, sipping on a little bit of rum, signing paper and flip-flops on, to, to sell a business and, and to, to buy a business. So that's where I was. I had two more days after that to hang out. We went sailing one day one last time on the Must Be Crazy. It was quite an emotional day, I'm not going to lie. You know, after living down there and going down there, it's uh, going sailing on that boat. It's just a, it was a way for me to decompress and let go of all the stressors that have caused by the business. You know, every time I got down there, I wanted to get on that boat as fast as I possibly could. And now I don't own that boat anymore. So it was kind of like a, um, it was a seal the deal. You know, let's close the book. Let's move on. Have one last hurrah. And so that's what I did. So I got back on Thursday, worked Friday, worked Saturday, back at home Sunday, trying to figure out how to do a new podcast channel. And like I said, I think it will be called Don't Sue Me Bro. Because I'm going to focus on the whole idea of unpopular opinions and expressing my opinion and having the ability to discuss differences of opinions. So I plan on keeping this channel up forever. I got to pay a hundred bucks a year. I plan on, I don't know. It'd be nice if I could pay like a hundred years in advance. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with the internet, but them being hosted online hopefully can offer some permanency. If not, maybe one day I'll migrate them to the blockchain. But I want them to be around forever, so I will figure that out. In the meantime, check out the show notes for the podcast called Don't Sue Me Bro. And they may not actually be up on this because I'm going to go ahead and publish this show while I'm still waiting for Apple to do a bunch of approving and whatnot. You know, you got to... You got to let the, the gods have to bless you. They have to bless your podcast. Make sure you haven't been banned before for saying things they don't like. So I'm waiting for the blessing of the Apple gods. I'm still going to go ahead and post this, but I may edit the show and add in a link for the new podcast on this show. And then I may even do one more quick blurb later in the week just to announce that it's official and the new site is up. So stand by for that. Okay, now let's get into the real deal holy field of the podcast. Man, I got some stuff to get to today. If I don't get to it, I will eventually. One day. But one day this year, we will be. Because we have Barack Obama. My first bullet point is entitled, The Progression of Engines. I talked a little bit about rocket engines and SpaceX and traveling to the moon and to Mars. I don't know, either last episode or the one before that. But I've been thinking about it more and more. And I know I mentioned how that rockets will one day be a, a method of travel. But I got to thinking more and more about it. And I kept asking myself, is that true? Will it really happen? What? Why hasn't it happened yet? That's just what I do, right? I have I have these stupid little ideas, and then I shoot holes in them to see if I can see if I can figure out if I'm right or wrong. But I got to thinking about the progression of engines, and if you think about how 
humans have used or, or, or the types of engines that have been around and how the productivity has increased with the advent of each one. And I think rocket engines will be the next engine. They'll be the next propulsion. The reason that we haven't used them until now is because, one, the cost, and number two, we didn't have a way to land them. Well, Miss Elon figured out how to land them upright. I don't know software, I don't know hardware, whatever he did. He's too smart for me to understand it, but I know that the man can make a rocket look like his plane in reverse and just come down and land on the launch pad. So I think one day we'll look back on jet engines and airplane travel, and it will seem primitive. It will seem like it's such a waste of time, how much energy, how it took you a full day, you know, to, to fly somewhere that was seven or 800 miles away. Just like we reminisce now about how hard it was to travel before airplanes. You had to either get on a train or drive a car forever. But the invention of the jet engine really changed things. Now, I know that there was propeller planes first, but the jet engine is what allowed us to travel two, three, four times as fast as their propeller. And then one day we'll be looking back on rocket travel. We'll look humans will look back and they'll say, man, we remember hearing about when rockets first came about and how it took them so long to figure out how to ride on. They didn't know how to land them. They didn't have the technology. And this is the same things that we said about the internal combustion engine, right? We, we look at the way that the internal combustion worked in the, in the Model T and how travel was so primitive. You had to get outside and crank the thing and start it with your hand and you know, they're always breaking down. There was things that are going wrong. They just burned oil. Compared to now, we're like, man, I'm so mad. I have to change my oil every 8,000 miles. And then you've got electric cars that don't have hardly any maintenance, right? There's no hardly fluids. It's all electric. It's not all hydraulic. There's not a bunch of fan belts and motors and things that can break. So we're slowly transitioning into different forms of of travel based on the type of energy that we have and how we can use it. So I think that one day rocket propulsion will put jets out of business. It'll it'll send jets bye-bye because they'll be slow, inefficient, expensive, and rockets are just, uh, they're way faster. It's going to be the way to go. This is just my prediction, right? I'm not the end-all, be-all on rockets. I ain't a smart man. I'm not a rocket surgeon. All I can do is make guesstimates so if you get a chance do some poking do some digging do some research about rockets look for things like the future of travel because i really do think they will be and i really i want to see it i you know i wish i could live forever i know lots of people don't like that concept like oh no i would never want to live forever i disagree i gotta see how this whole thing shakes out I want to see how technology progresses. I wish I could live forever. I know that I can't. So it's not the end of the world if I don't. But man, wouldn't that be cool to see how this whole thing shakes out? And you know what? Like rocket travel could not come at a better time. I mean, air travel is just getting worse and more complicated and slower. And listen, I was stuck Every trip I've gone on in the past three, four years, something has gone wrong. Now, I would like for you to ask yourself, how many times have I flown in the last three years? And then the next question would be, how many times have things gone wrong every time I've tried to travel? For me, it's 100%. 100% of the time, something has gone wrong. I don't care about covid yeah, Brandon, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I don't care. COVID is gone. It's over. All the mistakes have been made. You people were foolish. You fired everyone, and now you don't have employees. And it shows. It shows. So I am sick of air travel. I'm, I really am. And I know I've said it before, but it is, it's exhausting. I was sitting in the airplane... On the tarmac, which is, you know, it's what everyone does for fun these days. is just sit there in broken airplanes. I take it back. What on the tarmac? I was still at the gate. We were at the gate. We're sitting on the plane. I'm like, oh, 
Well, we're only 20 minutes past the time we're supposed to take off. Judging by today's standards, that's not too bad. I'm used to 45 minutes to an hour late, so we're still good to go. So about another 20 minutes goes by, and we're 40 minutes past our departure time. Oh, uh, yeah, this is uh, Captain speaking. We're uh, having some problems with the luggage door. It seems to be jammed. It's uh, it's not wanting to close, and we're not getting the green light clearance from the uh, system allowing us to push back from the gate here. We've got... Uh, We've got some guys coming to take a look at it. So just uh, just sit tight for us here, and we'll get right back to you. 40 minutes after waiting, right? Okay. Now, keep in mind, I had to catch a connecting flight in Houston to Nicaragua. There's only one flight per day that goes from Houston to Nicaragua. And I had about an hour and a half from the time that I landed in Houston to the time that I had to catch my flight in Houston I had about an hour and a half to move through the airport. Plenty of time, right? A little bit of more time goes by. We're all sitting there sweating on the airplane that's just sitting there. People ask if they could get off, and they're like, no, if you get off, you can't get back on. So we're sitting there sweating. Pilot comes back on. Uh, we've uh, we've got somebody down there working on the door. They, they should have it done here in the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, we should be good to push back. And so this happened like two or three more times. And then he comes back on and he goes, well, we're not, uh, we're not having much luck here with the, with the airplane door. So we're going to, uh, we're going to look at some other options and uh, get back to you. At this time, I figured out if we don't push back from here in 15 minutes or less, I won't make my flight, which means it will delay me another day getting to Nicaragua. Needless to say, I was freaking hot. All right. Those of you who know me probably know just how hot I was. And I don't mean hot like sweaty. Although I was sweaty too, I meant hot like livid. So with about five minutes to spare, the pilot comes back on. Well, folks, we've got some good news here. We've uh, got the door fixed. We do have the green light. We are ready to push back. So if you could just go ahead and uh, sit down, and uh, we're going to get this thing going. And I thought, okay, here we go. Time to get there and land and just sprint through the airport. And that's what we did. We got there. We landed. I looked at my watch. I said, I've got five minutes to get to my gate before they close the gate and say, we're no longer letting people on the plane because it's too close to takeoff time. So luckily, I didn't have any worry about any check bags or anything like that. Just had to carry on. Got out the plane. Ran all through the airport like an idiot. I'm talking about running up escalators, running down escalators, shoving my way to get out of the door first on the tram. Oh, miserable. It was so bad. I had to pee, and I was running past bathrooms, and I thought, if I stop and pee, I will not make this flight. It got to the point where I said, if I don't stop and pee, I'm going to pee all over myself. So I stopped and I peed. I continued my running. I get to the gate. They're like, Mr. Harper? And I go, yes, yes, that's me. And they go, come on, come on, go, go, go. So I go running through the door. They close the doors behind me. And I thought, man, I'm glad they knew I was coming. I'm glad they knew that I was landing on another flight and trying to make this connecting flight. They waited for me. And if it wasn't for such a bad experience, I'd say, well, that was a good experience. But it was such a bad experience in Corpus that I thought to myself, this is the least they can do for me. It really is, because whatever these airlines have done to themselves, whatever they're doing to themselves, whatever agreement they made with the government to fire people, to, to get money for firing people and to force people to get the vaccine or get fired, it put them all in a bind. None of them can do things right anymore. Remember when Southwest, their whole computer system went down? They didn't know where planes were, where they were going, where they were coming from. Remember that? Southwest used to be the top dog. They were the ones who had it figured out. They used to hedge rising oil prices, which means they could they could go through a an oil price spike without having to raise their ticket prices. And they when they first started, they gave a free bottle of crown to all business travelers. And now they're just like the rest of them. They, all airlines suck. But all's well that ends well. I made it on the flight. I made it down there. I felt sorry for the person I was sitting next to because I was covered in sweat and I was out of breath and I was mad and grumpy and you know, you know the thing.
All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you know the thing. But I got there and everything was fine. But I've kind of decided I'm not traveling uh, via major airlines unless it's, unless I have to go or unless it's for like a, an amazing experience, right? I'm kind of over traveling for like, oh, I'd like to go check out St. Paul, Minnesota because I've heard it's cool. No, I'm not doing it. Traveling in these airlines and their ridiculousness is not worth it, right? I'm no longer going to go to places like, well, I would just thought I'd go check out Hilton Head, South Carolina because I've never been there. No, I'm not doing it. I don't care enough to deal with the hassles of traveling. Now, I may go to India or I may go across the ocean, but it's going to have to be a cool experience. Otherwise, you're going to be hard-pressed to get me on one of these big airlines. Now, there's the new airline JSX, which is supposedly not too off from flying private. So I, I would be willing to try that before I give up on that. But the nearest place they fly out of is like three and a half hours from my house. So I don't even know if that's worth it. I'm not going anywhere for a while. I can guarantee you that. And if you've had a great experience over the last three years, I'm happy for you. I am happy for you. I would probably venture to guess it's anecdotal and that most people have probably had pretty terrible experiences over the last three years. But if not, hey, good for you. Keep keep at it. You keep at it. And I really hope, I still think that we're headed for a pretty big recession. I hope that these airlines get squoze and their revenues drop and people stop traveling and a lot of them go broke. And I know the government will bail them out, but at least they'll, they'll have a sense of lost pride because they went broke and had to get bailed out by the government. And you know what's funny is the Matrix, it knows how I feel. <laughs> and I'll explain to you what I mean by this. When I got home and I got in my hammock, as I usually do at the end of the night, to wind down and listen to some podcasts and smoke a cigar, I started getting all these advertisements in my uh, Instagram feed about flying private and private jets. And I, I didn't search for them. I didn't go looking for them. But I thought, man, either they're targeting people that have been on airplanes because everyone knows how bad it's been, or they have a way of knowing how dissatisfied I am because I truly am dissatisfied. I, like, air travel satisfaction level right now is like a one for me. One out of ten. One, if I got surveyed, they said, how satisfied are you for air travel at the moment? I would, I would put one, maybe between zero and one. I'll tell you what was kind of fulfilling though kind of funny you know oftentimes i'd say things and they're way funnier in my own head than they are to other people but i was going through customs no i was going through security in houston after landing in houston from nicaragua because you once you come in you clear customs you have to go through security again and so it was notorious for this section of security because this this section of security is just the people who have come in cleared customs, and are going through security again. So in the international terminal, this security there was just notorious for being backed up in tons of lines and slow and everyone getting mad and missing their flights. So they've recently done some upgrades. You know when you um, when you walk up and there's the whole, buck, you know, tr the whole stack of buckets there, and they're like, take everything out your bag, keys in your pocket, take it out, put it, and they start barking orders at you. Well, now they've got this little thing, and the, the trays just pop up. So you walk up to the little table, you just take off your shoes like an idiot, and then the, the tray pops up, and you put your crap in it, and it just goes down the conveyor belt. You don't really have to pick it up and move it, and you're not bumping trays with people trying to worry about whose stuff's getting on whose tray, who's going to go through the line first. And so it's this really cool thing. I was like, man, these trays just pop up. That's really cool. It doesn't take a Yahoo shuffling trays from the front to the back, to the back, to the front, to the front, to the back. And so it eliminates one person from this whole thing. So we go through the, uh, oh, well, I was, as I was walking towards the, the submission scanner where you hold up your arms, you don't shoot me, I'll submit, and you, they scan you. I was kind of walking towards that. But to the left of it, there was a metal detector with no line. And standing on the other side of that metal detector was a big, bad, TSA, authoritarian policeman with his, with his arms behind his back, crossed, staring through the metal detector, making sure that 
no bombers get on planes. And so I kind of just pointed like, hey, can I, can I just walk through there? He goes, no, you have to get in line with everyone else. And I was just like, oh, well, okay. Sorry for asking. And yes, I know I shouldn't have popped off, but I do. That's how I do. Because I was respectful to him, and he came at me, bro. So I'm going to give it right back to him. So I was like, oh, well, okay then. Sorry to bother you. Hope I didn't interrupt you. I'll go get in the line now. And he kind of mumbled something. I didn't even respond. I went and got in the line. And then there was a guy who was coming up behind me. And he asked something about like, uh, oh, gosh. I don't even remember. I don't remember the question that he asked, but he asked the the guy there who was thought he was very important for the TSA. He asked him a question. The guy popped off, gave him some smart-ass comment. So when we got up near the guy, I turned to the guy behind me, and I kind of motioned to the TSA goober, and I said, you know what's funny? I said, these guys are over here making like, what, 15, 20 bucks an hour? And they're talking to us like we're idiots. I said, it's not important to me that they don't get paid much. And I'm kind of looking at the guard, making eye contact to him when I'm saying this. I'm like, it's really not important to me that they don't get paid much. I don't care about that. What I care most about is their attitude and when they treat us like freaking cows. He's like, well, and then the uh, the security guard, he, he can clearly tell that I'm referring to him but not talking to him. Kind of an indirect, passive tactic of mine. And so he goes, well, you could clearly see that everyone was waiting in line. And I just ignored him. And I was I kept talking to the guy behind me. I said, you know, they don't have to have an attitude. They can just they can be polite. I understand lots of people are stupid. And then I said, but lots of people aren't stupid. And they don't need to have an attitude with everyone. And then we, we kind of just chuckled and walked through the thing. And I just thought to myself, you know, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's the kind of people who are desperate to be given power. They're desperate to be in control. And those generally are the kind of people who cannot acquire that without someone handing them a badge or a costume that gives them the power because they can't acquire it on their own. And then there's the kind of people who don't really care whether or not they acquire power. They just want to live their life and do what they need to do and work and provide for their families and those are the people who, who should have power. The people who are hungry and desperate for power should not have power. I don't know how you can test that. But somehow or another, we need to figure out how to keep the people who get off on power out of positions of power. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's an uppity TSA guy. You know? I Listen, I get it. You couldn't hack it at Burger King, okay? So now you're at the TSA. That's fine. But you know what? Just be nice. You know, we're the customer. Our money pays for their paycheck. Now, we pay the airlines. The airlines pays the security because they have to. But regardless, without the traveler, the Burger King flunky who's working at TSA doesn't have a job. If I own, and no one really owns those big airlines, but if I was a powerful executive at those airlines, I would form a group with all the other executives, and I would go to the TSA, and I would say, look, guys, we need to figure out what you people can do to make our customers have a good experience. Because, yes, you're trying to stop bad things from happening, but you don't have to be such pricks about it. You can be friendlier. You can be more respectful. These people aren't at a cattle sale barn. And I would raise hell. I would go there and I would say, you know what? We have no authority to fire you. You have us hostage. But man, can we work together to figure out how to get your Burger King flunkies to be nice to our customers? Listen, if you work for TSA and you're saying, I'm not a Burger King flunky. Well, that's fine. That's good. See, I generalize. This is one of the things that I do. And you're anecdotal, right? If you work at the TSA and you're nice and you're friendly and everyone likes you, well, then I'm not talking to you. If you work at TSA and you're not a Burger King flunky, then I'm not talking to you either. We all know who the Burger King flunkies are. And it just, it's so odd to me that there is a profile of person that the TSA must look for. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't begin to say, oh, yeah, they're looking for these attributes. No, I don't I don't know. But I know that they all act the same. And most of it is not pleasant. 
But yeah, I thought it was weird that the Matrix, <laughs> the Matrix knows how I feel about the TSA, and they're feeding me ads for private jets, which I just thought, man, maybe one day <laughs> I'll fly around in a private jet, but it will not be anytime soon, and it is not from owning a brewery. I can tell you that much. Traveling back wasn't quite wasn't quite as bad. And still, I'm sure if I think long enough, I can get mad about something. But the trip home went okay. It was just a long day. I had like a three-hour layover in Houston. Oh, but I did want to share with you the uh, the VIP lounge experience in the Managua, Nicaragua airport. Now, well, well, first I have to tell you about the custom air fragrance in my taxi on the way to the airport. So taxis in Nicaragua are notorious for doing like side hustles while they're driving because if they're like traveling two hours chances are they can stop along the way and get things done and then that way they don't have to pay for fuel to do it on their own on their off time so i get in the cab this is after i ate my breakfast which i have a funny story about breakfast i ordered a breakfast burrito eight dollars very very contrast to the $24 that I paid for my burrito in Phoenix. So I ordered my $8 breakfast burrito, and I ordered it with, it had pico de gallo and sour cream on it. And I said, no sour cream, pico aparte. Pico pico de gallo aparte, on the side, apart, right? So I thought to myself when I ordered, I don't know what the chances are of them getting this right, but it's very, very slim. Because that's just that's just how it goes. You, you typically, when you order specialized things in Nicaragua, they don't care. It doesn't matter to them what you want. You get what you get, and you don't pitch a fit. So I ordered my $8 burrito with the pico de gallo aparte. They bring the burrito. It's got pico de gallo on it. It's got sour cream on it. But also, they brought a side of pickles. And I was like, huh. You know, the restaurant where we were eating is kind of like a little eccentric. You know, a little, little in those places, it tries to be a little artsy. I thought, maybe they just serving pickles? I don't know. And then I thought, oh, when I ordered pico aparte, he heard pico, pico, pico. <laughs> and so I thought it was hilarious. that He just thought I was saying English. I was ordered everything in Spanish, and then I ordered pico aparte. I ordered breakfast burrito with pickles on the side. And so he's probably sitting there recording his podcast talking about the silly gringo that ordered pickles on the side of his breakfast burrito, slathered in sour cream pico de gallo. But back to the air fragrance. So the taxi cab picks me up after breakfast. We get on the road. Uh, five minutes in, we're pulling over. I'm like, hey, que pasa? Everything okay? Todo bien aquí, mister? Yeah, everything's fine. Lady comes running out. We're just sitting on the side of the road. Lady comes running out across the road, Hands him a jug, like a water bottle. He hands her money in a Ziploc bag, and then he leaves. And I was like, there is no possible way I cannot ask what's going on here. Time to find out, the lady made natural juices, and he just stopped to buy some mango juice. <laughs> so I said, can I taste your mango juice? He's like, yeah, sure. So he gave me a taste of his mango juice, and I thought, well, hopefully he's not trying to poison somebody. It was actually really delicious mango juice. So I said, do you just stop here every time you're on a trip? He goes, like, no, that was my wife. <laughs> so he stopped outside where his house was, and his wife brought him the mango juice. But I never could figure out why he gave her money. You know, the only thing I think of is the two had nothing to do with each other. She gave him some mango juice, and he gave her some money, but the money was not in exchange for the mango juice. That's the only thing I could figure out. So then we're going down the road, uh, and I've got my headphones on. I'm, I'm watching uh, this YouTube documentary about the Whitakers, which if you've never seen the documentary about the Whitakers, the name of the YouTube channel is called Soft White Underbelly. I don't know why, but it is. Look that up, Whitakers. Soft White Underbelly Whitakers. This is a family in West Virginia that's all inbred. I know. It's crazy. It's the most interesting thing ever. I feel bad for them. Uh, after watching a few, I was like, man, these people got it pretty rough. They don't They don't know why they have this disability, but they all, like, there's three of them that can't talk. There was a family of 15 siblings, and they were inbred. So I was watching my YouTube story, 
And then he pulls over again. And I thought, what is now? What is he going to buy here? So another lady comes running out across the street. And he opens the back. It's like a little SUV. He opens the back and she puts a gas can in there. And I thought, oh, my goodness. This whole car is going to smell like gasoline. And it did. It smelled like gasoline for the next hour and 45 minutes. I was breathing gas fumes in a hot car. And you know what? That's just how it is in Nicaragua. If you don't like that, then just do not go because <laughs> it doesn't stop. There, just when you think you've seen it all, you see something else. Could you imagine an Uber driver? You pay for a ride. He stops, gets some juice from his old lady, stops at another lady's house, gets a gas can, puts it in the back of the car. The whole car smells like fumes. You know, they probably wouldn't make it for more than a couple of days without getting fired. But Nicaragua, things just go different. Speaking of different, here is a clip from your president, leader of the free world, the most powerful country on the globe, talking about, you know, I'm really not really sure. Here you go. See if you can tell me. 30 miles an hour because nothing's been done under the Chesapeake Bay for under the, the Baltimore River, uh, the Baltimore area for. Yeah, so I think he's talking about. Uh, Train travel, train, train travel. He, he doesn't really know, but I think he's talking about train travel. For 80 years, they're going to be able to go at 100, through at 100 miles an hour. What? We're going to, they're going to see more, they're going to see railroads going from Syracuse to down, all the way down to New York, oh. upstate New York. Oh. Anyway, to, to, to the city. But my, I guess what I'm saying, what I think that we're going to see is move. I love it when he goes, anyway, when he knows he's lost. Anyway, I'm going to play it all the way through, no talking, just so you can hear this mushy-mouthed, mushy-brained pedophile rambling about nothing. Uh, for example, you're going to be able to get an Amtrak and instead of going through the tunnel of Baltimore at 30 miles an hour because nothing's been done under the Chesapeake Bay for under the, the, Baltimore, River, uh, the Baltimore area for... 80 years, they're going to be able to go at 100, through at 100 miles an hour. We're going to, they're going to see more, they're going to see railroads going from Syracuse to down, all the way down to New York, upstate New York. Anyway, to, to, to the city. But my, I guess what I'm saying, what I think that we're going to see is move. Yeah, that's your president, not mine. I'll have to say that. that uh, what a shame. It's a shame that we're so desperate we're electing these kinds of people. But you know that already. You say your first rodeo with me. I don't have a lot of current events to update you guys about because I've been closing on businesses and sailing and hanging out at the beach for the last week. I've also spent lots of time in airports and on hot airplanes. So I don't really have a lot to talk about. Uh, more bank failures from what I understand. There's more coming. I mainly wanted to just update you guys on the status of the podcast. What do they call it? The... The state of the union, the state of the podcast. We're going to be moving channels. So don't sue me, bro. If you've ever thought about buying a hammock, you need to go to worldsbesthammocks.com. I sold two this past week to a repeat customer. So this person has bought three hammocks. I hope he's giving them away or doing something cool with them because they really are the best in the world. And the, the one that he just sold was the Texas flag one. So I've got one more Texas flag one. And I think I've got two American flags. So if you're in the market for a hammock, even if you're not, if you ever thought to yourself, you know what? One of these days I'm going to buy the best something in the world. I don't know what it's going to be, but I want to own something that's the best in the world. Now is your chance. You can do this for a few hundred bucks. You can own the world's best hammocks. Literally, not figuratively. I've traveled most of the world and I've identified the best hammocks, and they are in Nicaragua, and I get them imported so I can ship them to you in a matter of days. And once again, I want to specifically say thanks to everyone who ever had a piece in Nika Sail and Surf. I'm going to do an episode on the next thread, the Don't Sue Me Bro thread, and I'm going to go through and I'm going to talk about the entire story, start to finish, of starting, operating, and selling a sailboat charter business in a third world country. I'm going to talk about all the questions that you probably have. 
If you're not thinking to yourself, man, I would have so many questions for that guy, you probably don't enjoy this podcast because I'm the kind of guy who wants to know the answer to everything. And so that's what I talk about. But it truly was an amazing experience. It was not for the faint of heart. There was many a times where I thought to myself, man, I do not know how we're going to get out of this one, right? I remember waking up one morning to somebody saying, hey, uh, your boat down there at the port, they're getting ready to auction it off. <laughs> and I go, wait, time out. Who is they and why are they going to auction off my boat? <laughs> so obviously we got it sorted out, but these are the types of things. I remember getting a phone call from Juliet. It was my super rock star manager. She was also a realtor. She also put the deal together and negotiated the deal to sell the business. I cannot thank Juliet enough. Without her or Zach, which was my original founding business partner, this thing would have never happened. It would have ended gruesomely, I suspect. But they both, not only did they try their asses off, not only did they care and they're passionate about their job, but they, they did it to help me. And that is why I cannot express my gratitude enough for Zach and Juliet and everything they did along the way. Also, I had two crew members who were with me most of the way. I had one guy leave about six months ago, actually. So he was with us from day one up until six months ago. And uh, he had a better opportunity come along. That was Byron. And then Gerardo has been with me from day one. He was the captain. Uh, he became the captain about two years in, and he has been the captain ever since. We've had a co-captain here and there. Byron was technically a co-captain, but Gerardo was the one who maintained the boat, communicated with me, and made sure things were done. So, I don't know, man. I, I learned so much about humans and business and patience and tenacity and fortitude. Like I said, I, I'm not going to go into the details now, but I will talk about it. It will probably be a super long episode, but I'm going to go into all the details of the entire business, everything that I encountered from start to finish. So stay tuned for that. That will be up on the new thread if I can ever get it figured out. You know, they say that the two happiest days about boat ownership are the day you buy, the day you sell it. I'll have to say the the ending was bittersweet for me. You know, I it was bitter because it's like, imagine raising kids for 10 years and teaching them everything you know and helping support them in everything they do. And making sure that they get paid and that they get bonuses and that they feel appreciated. And then all of a sudden you hand them off to someone else. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into that. And it's not just as simple as you would think. And if you don't understand how that could be bitter, right? Passing passing them along to someone else, not knowing how it's going to go. And, and feeling a little bit, not guilty, but uh, like kind of like quitting you know like i'm selling this i'm getting out it, even though that wasn't the reason it wasn't um it wasn't like i was frustrated it was just time to move on you know it's it was time to pass the torch these people had uh they deserve to be in the hands of someone who's on fire again and passionate about the business and wants to grow and do more things and improve the experience and they deserve to be in the hands of someone who's doing that so it felt bitter and sweet at the same time. Sweet because I just felt like it's time to go. It's time to move on. And I have some other ideas, some other projects. And I know that I will be in touch with these people forever. So it's not like I'm putting them up for adoption. I'll never see them again. It's like here, you're, you're graduating on to someone else who's in a better position to help to build this business. And I'll still be your friend. And so that's, that's kind of how it's felt. It was a, I, I would be lying if I didn't say I wasn't flooded with emotions for a week. And I'm typically not a very emotional person, at least not publicly, but it uh, it definitely had an effect on, on my emotions. It, it was really deeper than what I expected. So that's it. That's the end of the Nika sale saga. And it, uh, this podcast started when I was in the throes of it. So I might just for... For craps and giggles, go back and listen to the very first episode. It is so cringe, y'all. I did it, I don't know, a few years ago. And it's amazing how different I sound. I, I don't know. It's it's cringe. It's it's hard for me to listen to them 
but I might go back and listen to some stories about when I used to live there. And I'm not going to lie, it's a it's a weird feeling signing off from this podcast, which hopefully, if I can figure out how to work the podcast world, this will be the last time that I post on this podcast. So all good things must come to an end. Uh, the journey continues on a different channel. That's it. Same dude, same voice, same clip, same everything else. So I, I'm using that to remind myself. But I, if you are listening, I do appreciate you. You're one of my... 30 or 40 <laughs> listeners per week and for that I'm grateful I know that there's lots of podcasts out there there's lots of things you could be listening to and I'm very grateful that you're choosing to listen to me rant with your free time and with that I will end the program I appreciate you listening to Life in Paradise podcast I'd like you to have go out there have a great week strive to be the best boss you can be or the best co-worker strive to be the best customer Strive to be the best vendor. And if you do these things and you work your ass off and you're honest and you're a good person, you'll be just fine. Thanks again for listening to the final episode of Life in Paradise podcast. With me, your host, Brandon Harper. Keep it tranquilo. And I'll take Say